hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join me today. You know, this past weekend, I had so much fun. I went to a charity event and it was put on by a group called So What Else? And I met a lot of fun, a lot of smart, interesting people. And you know what? If you get a chance, look at what these people do. You can go to So What Else. It's a nonprofit organization. And basically what they do is they help kids, they help the community, and they help kids help the community. What more could you ask for? So check them out. It's a great bunch of people. I can't say enough about them. It's sowhatelse.org. And if you want to learn more about us here at XML, go to our website. It's xmlfg.com if you're looking for a conservative value manager to help you navigate the waters maybe help you develop a plan well give us a call or shoot us an email at podcast which is plural it's podcast at xmlfg.com the earnings bus well the earnings bus keeps rolling along how's the song go The wheels on the bus go round and round. I won't sing for you, but the earnings keep rolling along. We have well over half of the S&P reporting so far, and nearly 80% of those have reported better than expected bottom line results. And that's well above the historic average of 65%. It's been a phenomenal earnings season, but, and there's always the but, but, The market seems rather unimpressed, and that's got to make you worry at least a little bit. And there are a number of reasons for it, but let me give you a couple, a couple that I can pinpoint. One is that we've had softer forward earnings guidance. That's right. Right now, we might be seeing peak earnings growth of around 20%, and investors are starting to slowly revise their next year's earnings down to about a 10% growth rate. And at the same time, interest rates continue to rise. Not only do higher rates weigh on stock valuations, but the Fed's tightening cycle will eventually slam the brakes on the economy. From a technical perspective, things look pretty mixed there too. We've been in this well, we've been bouncing around this range where support is about 2625 on the S&P and resistance is about 2750. And the biggest concern is the lack of upward momentum. Since the January, February correction, there have been six instances where the downside volume has exceeded the upside volume by a ratio of nine to one or more. Now, to break out of this, We'll likely need to see a couple of days where the upside volume exceeds the downside volume of more than nine to one. And not just one, but probably a couple of days. From a contrarian perspective, I am happy to see that investors have pulled out more than $60 billion from equity mutual funds and ETFs since February. 
What's also encouraging is that companies are buying back their own stock pretty darn aggressively. Share repurchases were up 34% in the first quarter compared to the fourth quarter and up over 40% compared to last year. But again, we come back and we look at it and I think we need to see that upside volume come back. My best guess is that we could be in this range for a bit longer. But over the next 12 to 18 months, I do think we go higher. Who knows? It's just a guess. I'll do what I do. I'll focus on the fundamentals, meaning I'll look for good companies when I can get them on sale. Speaking of earnings and good companies, Berkshire Hathaway, symbol BRK. I buy the B shares. Berkshire is scheduled to announce earnings this Friday. And don't be surprised if they report a loss. That's right, a loss. And just for the quarter, it's entirely possible because of a new accounting rule that forces them to include unrealized gains and losses uh, on its equity portfolio. During the first quarter, if you remember, and it's not that long ago, during the first quarter, there were declines in the stock prices of companies like Wells Fargo, symbol WFC, American Express, symbol AXP. Coca-Cola, all of which are big longtime holdings uh, for Buffett's company. Keep your eye on operating earnings, which should include better insurance underwriting profits and a lower tax rate of 20% versus 27% in the first quarter a year ago. And they'll also have their annual shareholder meeting coming up this weekend. This is the Woodstock for capitalists. So we'll probably talk about that a little bit on next week's show. Apple, symbol AAPL. They report earnings after the close of the market today, but I'm guessing more than likely they'll report lighter than expected iPhone sales and a record-breaking capital allocation announcement, meaning they could be buying back more stock, possibly raise the dividend. If the stock sells off on earnings, buy half under 165 and the other half under 155. Apple's important because it's the biggest weighting in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100. But you always want to do your own research. You don't buy something just because you heard it on a podcast or maybe read it in a magazine. No, 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 no. You got to get out there. You got to do your own homework. Last week, I said I thought oil was headed towards $80. If that's true, then you're going to have winners and you're going to have losers. The obvious winners are going to be the oil stocks and the oil services companies, which I've talked about on the show over the last couple of months. But I think the airlines could continue to suffer. They've been hit. Jet fuel is hitting a three-year high. American Airlines, symbol AAL. American Airlines, they saw spectacular benefits or they reaped these spectacular benefits as the price of fuel was falling. Now it's going the other way. Well, they reduced their earnings guidance by 10% a couple of weeks ago. And even Southwestern, symbol LUV, they maintain a, a, a relatively modest hedge portfolio, but they also lowered their earnings guidance though they also have some specific challenges after the fatal jet engine incident. On top of rising fuel prices, the industry has been bringing on new capacity, 
which has basically turned into a price war. And it's starting to stretch the balance sheet of these companies. Even though they may look appealing now, I'd still avoid them. Let's take a a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about where you might want to look for new investments. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We are back in just a moment. You've worked hard. You've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's talk about where I think you might want to look in today's market. I know a lot of you are going to shake your head when I say this, but what about AT&T? If you've been listening for a while, you know that I like Time Warner, which is symbol TWX. I own Time Warner. I like them under $94. Now, they're in the process of being potentially acquired by AT&T, but that's not the only reason why I like TWX. I think they're a good standalone company, and I don't think there's a ton of downside risk if the deal doesn't go through. But as far as AT&T is concerned, the stock is trading at about $32.5, and it's paying better than a 6.1% dividend. That's right, a 6.1% dividend. They reported earnings a couple of weeks ago, and it really wasn't all that impressive. We saw revenue decline. The margins were a bit lighter than I thought they would be. But really, it's not unusual for them to report a weak first quarter only to come rallying back later in the year. As I said, revenue was down more than three and a half percent compared to last year. And part of that was due to accounting changes. And if you compare apples to apples, well, the revenue was down 1.3%. You know, there's been a price war going on between the carriers. And even though AT&T added more than 2.6% million wireless subscribers, which brings them up to about 143 million total, the average revenue per user is declining. They also own DirecTV, which has lower margins than the wireless business, and that's also pressuring firm-wide margins. So why am I talking about AT and if all this bad stuff is happening? Well, I like it for the dividend. Now, this isn't a, uh, this isn't a great growth story. But for you relatively risk-averse equity investors, I think it's hard to ignore that better than 6% dividend. They upped the payout back in December. They went from paying out $0.49 to $0.50, and they've paid it for a continuous 34 years. Now, over the last 12 months, they generated more than $39 billion in free cash flow, and they've paid out $12 $12 billion in the form of a dividend. So they're returning roughly 40% of their after-tax earnings back to shareholders in the form of dividends. Let me pull out the old trusty value line and see what we find. Value line 
projects this year's earnings to be about $3.45. And with the stock trading at roughly 33, well, that means AT&T is trading hands at roughly nine times this year's earnings. Again, this isn't some great growth story. This is about total return. Over the last five years, earnings have only been growing at about four and a half percent. But let's think about this for a second. If I'm buying this slow grower and let's say it only grows its earnings at about two percent over the next five years, but I add in my better than six percent dividend, well, even I can do the math. Two percent growth and a six percent dividend, that gives me a total return of eight percent. And that's assuming that the market multiple or the the stock multiple doesn't expand or contract. I think that's going to be pretty darn good for what it is. With the market as expensive as it is, your forward returns are likely to be muted. According to bank credit analysts, BCA, the expected market return for the next 10 years is somewhere around four and a half percent. That's it. Four and a half percent. And that's because multiples are high at this point. So earnings may grow, but you're not going to see multiple expansion. Basically, your returns are going to be muted. Value line gives AT&T an A++ for their balance sheet, or actually it's financial strength. They get a hundred for earnings predictability and a one for safety. These are all the highest marks you can get. I think this is something that you should at least look at. Again, if you're a relatively conservative equity investor. Well, what about Verizon? Symbol VZ? Well, basically, it's the same thing here. They're growing a bit faster than AT&T, but they also trade a bit more expensively and pay less of a dividend. But if someone came to me and said, hey, I want to buy Verizon instead of AT&T, you know what? I wouldn't argue with uh, with you. For me, it's about the 6.1% dividend versus the 4.8% dividend from Verizon. Another one I've talked about before, CarMax, symbol KMX. CarMax is trading around $63. And CarMax has a pretty unique business model. There have been a a few good companies that have tried to replicate what CarMax has done, but they haven't been able to quite pull it off. CarMax is the nation's largest used car retailer. They go out and they buy used cars, reconditions them, and they sell them in the used car markets, mostly retail. The cars that don't meet the CarMax standard, well, they get sold off through wholesale auctions. So the the rough mix is about 85% retail and about 15% is wholesaling. And there are a number of reasons why I like CarMax. One, you can walk into a CarMax and you can get this transparent car buying experience, which I love. I hate going to the car dealer because I'm afraid I'm going to spend hours there with the salesperson constantly telling me that they have to go back and check with their manager. And it's just, it's just a whole mess. I just hate going to buy cars. But at CarMax, I like the experience. I know when I go into a CarMax, it's going to be pretty straightforward. It's going to be easy. There's going to be no endless haggling over prices. You have a quick, uh, quick trade in appraisals and they make you an offer on every appraisal. It's just a totally different business experience. I like their business model. The second reason is right now they're in 55 U S markets 
and they estimate that they have only about 5% of the market share in the markets that they serve. So that means there's a lot of opportunity for them to expand. I think they're only halfway built out across the U.S. So they could maybe double their, their locations over the next several years. They only have about 3% of the total used car market. So there's plenty of runway for growth. The third reason is that they're profitable in every market that they're in. So they have a replicable, scalable business model. And of course, there's always the part, uh, the valuation part of it. I think that they'll earn about 480 this year. And with the share price trading at about $63, that means CarMax is trading around 13 times earnings. They haven't been this cheap since 2009 during the depths of the financial recession. Now, over the last five years, they've grown at about 14% per year on average. The reason they can grow their earnings like this is because they have a better operating system that's built to leverage its unique information advantage to buy and sell at profitable prices. Basically, they know more about their business and markets more than anybody else. The downside here, there's no dividend. I think it's a buy. I own it just like I own Apple, AT&T. So again, take a look at KMX. That's about all the time we have for today. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.